0: Welcome to the Long Suffering Buds Podcast
1: with your hosts, Tom Gibson and Adam Knott. And my life is over. (laughs) (laughs) That's our best start yet. A bit dramatic, but uh, yeah, I got knocked out of the playoffs in in one of my hockey pools. Playoffs have started already? Yeah, the regular season is over in the one pool I mean I mean you got to figure this is this is playoff season for hockey pools right it's That's uh, a good point yeah. yeah it's I think there's only uh one or two weeks left in the, the one I'm in with you well I'm in a couple with you but I'm only paying attention to one actually I think you're paying attention to the one I'm not paying attention to and vice versa I'm not paying attention to either of them I have to be honest <laughs> I've gone into full rebuild in both I, I guess, guess if I was in your position I probably wouldn't be paying attention either but, no uh, no
2: the one you're uh that you were supposed to be tanking doesn't say a lot for the people underneath you as you tanked and still came in what fifth last or something? It's pathetic, eh? <laughs> I noticed
1: that I'm in mean, eighth in that in that pool and I'm I like literally I stripped it down. Yeah. There's nothing left on that. I team. think you have Frankie Corrado on your team, you? <laughs> Yeah, but I'm not playing him. <laughs> <laughs> right on, man. So what's going on? Oh, not a whole lot. How was your weekend? It was good. Uh can't remember what I did. Must have been exciting. What did you get up to? <laughs> One of those, yeah. Uh, I was actually sick for a good couple days there. With a man
2: cold. No, no. It no. was uh, like a stomach bug, which oh. has happened a few times um, as caused for, for the listeners without children. <laughs> You'll be quick to find out that anything and everything comes into your home pretty quickly and uh, it just keeps happening. I don't know. Uh, I know. I was told that brutal. you can't
1: get the same, you know, whatever virus or whatever twice, but having kids has completely changed my belief in that theory. Cause I feel like you're right. I feel like every time I have something, I get it at least two or three times in succession.
2: Yeah. Or I feel like it's always something when I'm uh, I'm sick more often than I'm not sick. So I don't really know. You know, they say like appreciate the time when you're right. when you're feeling good. Yeah. But it's hard for me to notice when I'm feeling good because I'm so used to <laughs> not feeling that good. The new normal is just sick. Yeah.
1: Is that, you, it's actually the season, right? It's like it's summer, fall, sick. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That, I know it's a cliche, but literally, it's uh, yeah. I was uh, I was down
2: and out for a couple of days there, I won't lie. Just yeah. lying in bed. Well, being a suck like I, like you would with a man cold. But in this case, it was not that. Did you milk it or were you? I don't think I did. I think I was just not one of those like, oh, I just felt like I was getting punched in the gut every time I uh, walked around, you know. Maybe it was just really bad gas. I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. At this
2: age, right? I mean. That's true. We're not getting any younger. So you didn't do anything exciting?
1: I'm trying to think. Um, no, I think I just hung around at home with the fam. Something to be said for that. Right, that's exactly, yeah. Those are usually the best weekends. Well, our weekends may have been boring, but uh, the Leafs have had a pretty good week since the last time we spoke. Yeah, not bad. And um, surprise, surprise, the story again seems to revolve around uh, Anderson and um, the rookies. Uh, Anderson is has obviously found his game again, which is... Uh, good for now. We, I hope he can sustain it the way he did in, in uh, December, but um, he's picking it up at the right time. Unfortunately, Matthews looks like he's found the skids a little bit, not too much to worry about, but um, he's he's a little bit quiet um, right now. Hopefully he <laughs> knows what time of the year it is and turns that around pretty quickly here.
2: Not a detriment, but you got to figure he'll turn it around before too long. You're never noticing him on the ice doing things wrong, which which I guess is the is the best thing, but and luckily Marner has decided to step right in in his absence to to spruce it up but I think one of the things we'll talk about later is um, the biggest helper has been the veterans stepping it up specifically uh, JVR and Bozak on that line
1: yeah absolutely and and you know everybody's been talking the whole year about uh, you know as as uh, as Marner goes so goes that line is sort of saying that he's he's the one that drives that line I think that's a fair point but to your point and and fairly uh, yeah, JVR has definitely picked it up, and and Bozak has just been his consistent self, and uh, you know the guy that you uh, that we depend on, and and the the player you're familiar with or have become familiar with. Um, yeah, and it, it, just going back to Matthews there, it, it, I think it bodes well that uh, the team is playing as well as they are, and getting some of the results they're getting when he's been as as quiet as he has been on on the score sheet. So wait for him to uh, pick it up and maybe get hot. That would actually be ideal, and uh, see if they can. Push it into April.
2: Yep. And and speaking of those rookies, we have Carrick looking like he's close to coming back, which is great. Uh, I also was going to say the Carolina game. Hey, we finally got an overtime where the Leafs looked like the team we all expect them to be in overtime. Uh, Morgan Riley with that beautiful little dangle into the slot for a nice shot. I mean, that's kind of what you expect out of this young, fast team. Um, Obviously,
1: Riley, not a rookie. He's helping out as a vet there, but uh,
2: that's nice to see.
1: Yeah, you know, Kerr coming back is not um, exactly the cavalry coming in, but abs- absolutely on this team, any help you can get on defense, you're going to take it at this point. And, um, and also to your point there, yeah, no, uh, great showing on the weekend, albeit against a, a young and uh, I would say maybe down and out uh, Carolina team. But, you know, at the end of the day, they're still, a, um, a, you know, a team that, that put forth an effort and could have beat us, but, um, but they uh, – you know, the Leafs played the way they needed to play to win the game. And that's what it's going to be about for the rest of the season. I think is just finding a way to win those, you know, figure out the games you can win. Some of those, I think they've got a back to back coming up with Washington on the back half. Well, (laughs) you know, that, that's not what you would call a winnable game, but you got to win the games that you're expected to win. And, and if they do that, then uh, they got a good chance.
2: And they have to have a fairly strong showing going into that last, I think it's the last four games where they have quite tough competition there. Right. They think they, uh, they go up against Pittsburgh Columbus, I believe Montreal, and I can't remember
1: who the fourth team is. Yeah, I don't remember exactly the order, but I know the last, the last like week is really nasty. And in fairness, I mean, you can probably say that around the league, I get that. But um, you know, a lot of the teams that are that are facing other good teams are also you know um, teams that are sort of within you know playoff position already. Being a bubble team, as the Leafs are right now, it's uh, it's hard to say that any any game is a must, or excuse me, not a must win, but a, uh, a sure win, so to speak.
2: Yeah, uh, I think the, the parity makes it that much more difficult. Um, but I think you are starting to see, I think watching the Leafs go up against the Wings and, and the Canes and even the Flyers to a certain extent, it's great to be able to say it, but it certainly didn't look like those teams are all on the same level. Um, so it's maybe because starting to become a little bit more obvious than it was, uh, prior, I think, um, the, the differences between the teams, but Hey, again, we've talked about it before. It's exactly what the NHL wants, right? Right. And, uh, and, and everybody it, excited.
1: And it's, you know, from a fan's point of view, we've waited so long for a, a good team that you want your team to dominate each and every night. And, you know, the, all, although the Leafs are, you know, a bit away from being that type of team. I don't even know if there are any teams like that, that maybe Washington would be the only one really that is dominating night in night out. But, um, but yeah, the parody obviously makes for, um, excitement and, uh, and obviously nervousness near the end of the schedule here for, you know, almost everybody involved, but that's, that's what you want. You know, I, I, I heard somebody the other day say, you know, uh, Edmonton and Toronto, uh, welcome to a playoff race. You know, this is not, uh, you know, you, you've you been dreaming about, you know, being in the playoffs and being in a playoff race for the past decade. Well, welcome to it. It's it's not always pretty. You can go from elation to despair in a weekend. So, um, yeah, all those important games that are, you know, quote unquote, four point games are coming up. And although, you know, when you look at the standings, everybody says that there's not a lot of movement in the standings. And by and large, that's, fair. that's a fair point. And especially after the, uh, the All-Star break. But... To me, there's always one, one or two teams that either makes a big jump in the standings unexpectedly, or a big drop. And um, and as 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 easy as some of these things are to predict, and I would bet, I would even say right now, I'll bet you something like fourteen or fifteen of the of the current seated playoff teams will make the playoffs. There's not going to be much movement, but there will be some movement, and that's that's what we're that's what we're going to watch for. Mm-hmm. And speaking of which, that would be.
2: I think the, the two interesting teams, obviously, the Leafs are competing with. It looks like Florida has sort of uh, fallen off a cliff here. Uh, maybe teams have figured out Reimer. Maybe that's what's going on, <laughs> or Reimer. Um, but Tampa and Long Island are obviously the, uh, the two teams the Leafs are kind of fighting with, nipping with for that last wild card spot. Obviously, you'd hope the Leafs will be able to get into the third spot, uh, third seed in the Atlantic, but I um, won't be holding my breath. But when you look at that and you see Tampa, um, having looked at it now, by the way, it's Washington, Tampa, Pittsburgh, and and Columbus that the Leafs are home to for the final four games. Right, and the Washington game's coming off a back-to-back. They play in Buffalo the night before. Right. Um. So th- it's going to be a rough stretch. They kind of have to have themselves worked out to the point that what maybe if you, if you can get through that with three or four points, you're you're a happy camper. But it'll be a tough run for the Leafs. And Tampa seems to this seems to be a crucial week for them because the Leafs play them too it feels like Tampa could either be completely out of the playoff picture or firmly right in there with the Leafs if they have a good week.
1: Yeah. And Tampa is obviously one of the teams that they're, I think, you know, they're going to be one of the, maybe, maybe the main target for the Leafs, to be honest with you, in my opinion. For me right now, it's, um, it's Tampa, uh, Boston, the Islanders and Toronto, four teams fighting for two spots. That's the way I see it. So I think two of those teams gets in and I think two of those teams drop out and, um, and those, uh, those four-point games are obviously going to be, I don't want to say the deciding factor, but at this point, they're huge. So
2: Absolutely. And the Leafs have more, I think, of those games against um, non-division teams in, right. the, in this end stretch here than they do against them. Um, see in Ottawa kind of fly up to the top of the division has kind of put them out of the conversation a little bit. Um, so it'll be yeah, interesting to see how the Leafs pull it together. It's a topic we'll explore with Murray later, I think, the Islanders and, and the Lightning and the Leafs, and just say, looking at it now, which team should be there? Um, which team has a more solid lineup, top to bottom, and it'll make for an interesting discussion, I think.
1: Yeah, we're going to be getting into a few things uh, later on. We get into uh, Bud's buzz. We're going to talk about uh, Mike Babcock's lineups and uh, you know our opinions on um, on who he's dressing, which nights, where, and why. Uh, the veterans have been stepping up. Uh, we'll touch on that. Obviously, it's been it, the this machine's been driven by the rookies this year, but good to see the vets stepping up when they need to. Uh, we're going to talk about Anderson because we always talk about Anderson. Um, he's hot. He's not now he's hot. So we'll talk about that and we'll see if he can keep it up. Matthew's is struggling a bit. Uh, to me, this is hardly even of note, but I mean, you know, a player like that being off the score sheet for five games is, I mean, it's at least notable. So we'll touch on it. And then something I just brought up there. I, I uh, I wanted to talk about, uh, some off season, uh, possible free agent targets, possible trade targets, just, uh, maybe have some fun, speculate a little bit and, Uh, see who they might go after Uh, we talk about around the league we're going to uh, talk about the islanders see if they're the real deal talk about the trade deadline who won who lost and get into some other stuff Uh, but right now not you got some things to take care of yeah Uh, once
2: again listeners can find us on itunes stitcher google play music and soundcloud your normal podcasting avenues Uh, it's very helpful to us if you rate review and subscribe um, when you do Uh, we're looking for all good and bad feedback so please let us know Hey, I've shortened that up quite a bit. Yeah, Pretty proud of myself. Huh? <laughs> yeah,
1: good job. I was gonna say, I pre- we appreciate all the uh, feedback, positive and negative. So keep it coming, guys. We appreciate uh, all the all the reviews, and uh, if you're gonna listen, we appreciate us, uh, if you could subscribe. That would be great. Um, and we're and 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 uh, word of mouth. If you guys could, uh, you know, uh, let anybody know about it, if you think they might enjoy the show, let them know. Uh, we're obviously small time right now, so any little bit of advertising or PR helps us. So uh, thanks, guys. Thanks for the reviews, and uh, keep them coming. Um, after the break here, we're going to get into Bud's buzz, buzz and then around the league.
2: It's Bud's buzz, buzz. in depth. Leaves talk on the LSB podcast.
1: All right. As predicted, no jury this week. So, uh, that's two weeks in a row. Actually. I just realized our ratings are going to probably go plummet.
2: Yeah. People are going to be wondering what's going on. We still have Marie though. Hopefully to, to uh, yeah. hold, hold up the ship. To, yeah. bo- to buoy it, if you will, Murray's
1: the triage until we can get Drew back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so, what do we want to get into here? We got a th- few things written down. We touched on uh, in the intro there. Um, th- this one's juicy for me, Mike Babcock and his lineups. So I actually like this one because we. I mean, you could we could do a whole show on this. So, sure. Um, you've referenced it before, and and you know, um, rightfully so. Mike Babcock is um, excruciatingly loyal to. To a to a detriment, sometimes, in my opinion. I mean, you know that uh, it's obviously just an opinion, but um, you know, I think if you've got the sort of uh, players you've got um, with the ability to sort of do the jobs that you need done, and they're not given that opportunity um, on on this team, right? Like on a team that is sort of all about seeing where they are and what they're all about this year. I don't I don't see the point in that, personally. Um, I know I've been hard on Hyman um, before. He's not as bad as I've projected. I, I understand his value and I don't, um, even though I've said it before, I probably wouldn't take him out of the lineup. However, I do question, you know, where he, where he puts certain players like Hyman and, you know, he's, uh, he's made his point that he, um, he thinks that the, every top end line needs the worker B and Hyman is that for that Matthews line, um. I'm not saying it doesn't work. I'm just saying I think other things can work as well. Maybe better, maybe not. But, um, you know, when you when you refuse to let go of a certain notion, even for the sake of, um, you know, experiment, then you're never going to know. We can just speculate. So that's what we're doing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and it's nice to finally see. I was a little bit more worried when we first brought up this topic that uh, Fair keeps on kind of rolling into the lineup in practice. Um, but it looks like Bozy was just getting a, a maintenance day and he will be in the lineup tomorrow. So... That's a a sigh of relief, especially the way he's been playing. Um, But it just seems so odd to keep seeing Levo's name left off the bottom, right? He's kind of into that uh, Peter Holland uh, territory that we've seen happen before and we kind of got into this last week. I don't think all of it made it to the podcast, but uh, my feelings towards just kind of being nice to people and treating them like professionals, and um, I just feel so bad for these kinds of players, especially somebody like Levo. It's a little bit different for somebody like Holland, where you can understand it or Corrado. but for Levo, he's clearly capable of playing on most, if not all, teams in the NHL. It's just kind of sad to see him, you know, not really
1: getting his fair shot. From so from my perspective, this is this is why it sucks. For me personally, is that I'm a big Levo fan. See, like if I didn't care about Levo, you know, if I didn't think of much of him as a player and didn't think that he could help, you know, my team, I would say, well, you know what, Mike Babcock, it's it's your loss for not playing a player who is a, a you know a, a decent NHL player who could make his, his living playing in the NHL as a as you know as a as a as an actual player that you skate. You don't just bench him and sit him in the press box. But the reason why, yeah, the reason why it sucks so much for me is that, it, like, I see this guy honestly being a difference maker. Like, this is the kind of guy where, you know, I feel like if you let him slip through the cracks, you know, he's going to be the type of guy that shows up on a team in a playoff run and is that difference maker in the playoffs. And I know that that's a, that's a big mouthful there, and there's a lot of ifs and buts to get to that point. But, um, you know, these players aren't getting any younger, obviously, and, and a player like Levo on a young team like this, he's not. Uh, like a, a pup. He's not considered a, a prospect right. at this point. So, you know, to the point, like we've said with other players, Corrado and whoever else, I want I want you to play him. I want you to play him not to see what you have, because, but because I think we know what we have and we're missing out. But if you don't agree with that, yeah, just play him, like trade him, or get something for him, or put him in the Marlies and keep him moving. But why you got a player like that in the press box makes literally no sense to me.
2: Yeah, and it does seem... It's one of those things with Babcock where you feel this sort of, you know, that his his pedigree is such that every time you feel yourself questioning it, you kind of give yourself a little metaphorical slap in the face. You got to take a um, dose of humble pie, for yeah. sure. Yeah, and and you you kind of just sit there going, you know what? He kind of he knows what he's doing, and I'm not going to sit here and question it. But at the same time, it just feels like it keeps happening and happening and happening, where he he sticks with groups that don't seem to be all that effective and. Um, I mean, there's flashes, right? If you look at say the Hunlack situation, right? Mm. How many times have you seen those two roll out onto the ice in a situation and, and just have a dumbfounded look on your face? Like why, why are they coming over the boards right now? Why, why is this the moment that you're thinking they should be out there? Um, and they have occasional moments where you sort of go, they played great on that shift or that was awesome. Well done. Um, but then other times you just feel like he's just kind of wasting everyone's time or he he wasted an opportunity That's where i feel like it happens a lot i find uh say hunlack enter onto the ice a lot of times say after a penalty um, when he throws out the fourth line or something like that too or in those moments where you have a quick opportunity to turn things around and to change the pace of the game um it's no knock on the fourth line i think they do a great job of banging up bodies and getting pucks to the net and getting face-offs in the ozone but um i think it's been it's pretty clearly shown and we won't get into the analytic side but on both sides of the coin that Polark and Hunwick are not spectacular at that. Um, so why they keep going out, it must just be this this undying loyalty, or, or maybe I'm just ignorant. And I don't know what I'm talking about. That.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, again, so to the last point, yeah, we have to take a dose of humble pie because, you know, you and I make less than six figures at our jobs and, and Mike Babcock makes $6.25 million to make these decisions. So you would think that somebody who, never mind, doesn't get paid a, a fraction of what he gets paid to do what he does. We don't even do what he does professionally. So yeah, we we do have to take a step back and say there might be something to that. Um, the, the the flip side to that is, and I I like to play this sort of devil's advocate card. I've done it before. Um, you know, Mike Babcock and the and the the management staff have a goal, and the goal is not um, excuse me, not a goal I guess per se, but you know, like they say, a vision, right? And, and the plan changes, but the vision doesn't change, as they've said. So maybe the vision includes putting your players through their paces and, and giving your, your players the opportunity to experience different things. And it's, although it might be difficult for us to swallow as fans watching them use a prime opportunity to ha- actually taste you know, a certain level of success, with the hockey that actually matters, you know, late in the season and, and possibly into the playoffs, it is possible that um, there is sort of a you know a bigger plan or bl- bigger vision at play here, which involves Mike Babcock putting his young players in a position where, to your point, you put you know you put um, Hunwick and Polak over the over the boards late in the game. Maybe you're maybe it's a one goal lead, maybe you're down by a goal, but regardless, you've given a task. To your players now, because you've got—I don't—maybe not fair to say a is li- back there. Maybe it is fair, but certainly you don't have your strongest pairing, and certainly even your strongest pairing uh, isn't one of the stronger pairings in in the league. So, in those situations, I like to think that there are, there might be something going on bigger than than what I'm aware of in in the actual in the in the present in the game and and, and the situations that he's decided to pay, play that you know those pairings and those players.
2: That's fair. And uh, you don't just want to do sort of the appeal to authority thing, right? He makes a lot of money and therefore is, is smart because we've seen enough people crumble who have made a lot of money in their in their lifetimes. And uh, what? America has a president of the United States who <laughs> has a lot of money. And, and if we apply the same logic. Well, well
1: I would say there's a, the only difference is I would say like he didn't make his money being the president. Right, he didn't. He didn't get paid a lot of money to do something he was good at necessarily. He just found a way to make money. Mike Babcock is different in the sense that he's getting paid money because of his expertise and what he's demonstrated. However, I do tend to agree with you that you know, we you know maybe a bit put a bit too much stock in uh, in in somebody's salary and and the respect we give them for it. But it doesn't count for nothing, or you know. But it but it's it maybe shouldn't be. We shouldn't over respect it. Here. Yeah,
2: and to think of the the endless hours of uh, analysis and programming that goes into the Leafs every week from the radio to the television and podcasts and so on. What would we have to talk about if we weren't calling into question Babcock's moves and and Lamorello's moves? Could you imagine
1: a situation where we agreed with literally everything you did? They'd probably suck. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) That's a very good point. Um, Well, we can
2: maybe move along, but I did want to ask about one more thing to do with Babcock. We kind of talked about it generally, but one specific one is the Matthews line. And and I don't want to steal from that later in the discussion of Matthews himself, but that line on the whole has not really been, been rolling. And obviously for Hyman, if, if Matthews isn't, (laughs) neither is he pretty clearly. Uh, But Nylander hasn't exactly been sparked either over the last while. You have Bozak and, and Marner on that line. I think Bozak has something like seven points in five games and, um, same thing, or quite similar for Marner. Yet, it's been five games without a point for Matthews, as you've mentioned. Is it kind of weird to not do a shake-up there, considering it took him kind of so long to give any trust in Elander in the first place? Maybe we're just back to the same argument. Once, well, you've, once you've earned it, you, it's hard I, to lose it.
1: I'll answer this question the reverse I answered the last one. So, again, perhaps there's a situation at play there where, where Mike Babcock's saying, no, no, no. no. You save yourself. I'm not going to get you into this mess. You're a big boy. Let's see what you're made of. I'm going to play you with one of our least skilled players. No, that's fair. I mean, Hyman is the hardest worker and the least skilled, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And we're going to put you in the one, we're going to keep you with one of our least skilled players and you're going to be expected to go out there and produce. And, you know, put your big boy boots on, let's go to work. That could be what's at play. Hopefully, that, that would, that's what would make more sense to me. Um, and then the flip answer to that is, no, you're exactly right. There's, there's no... Other than what I just said, there's I don't think there's any reason to not switch your lines up and to try to get him going. If you want to get him going. Maybe, like I said, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he wants to, you know, put him through adversity and see how he comes out on the other side. But um, depending on what your goal is, you're obviously going to do different things. If if that's what he's going for, fine. And if he's trying to win games and get Matthews out of his slump, I completely disagree with his method. That would, that would be my answer. Fair enough. So how do you explain the
2: Marinson thing? Because Marchenko... He seemed okay to me. He was chugging along. He wasn't a huge glaring weakness yet. Whenever we've seen Marincin, it's been a lot of hair pulling. You know, even Polak and Hunwick have looked pretty good relative to that. Yep. And then in comes Marinson. Now can we just not knock the results? They did win the game. It just seems so weird. I mean, why? Yeah. Is that I don't really have an answer for it, and I don't actually expect you to either. It just seems like. They're very perplexing moves. So Babcock is this fantastic coach, and I don't think any Leafs fan is going to deny that given what we've seen all year. At the same time, so many perplexing decisions, and maybe that is the sign of a good coach, right? With Carlisle, it was pretty easy to see what he was attempting to do and beat your head against the wall going, it's not working, man. It's not working. Yeah. And maybe Babcock, yeah, is just just that little extra level of intelligence over the average hockey fan. What I'll
1: say is this, and certainly, you know, you know it's it's fair point you say that we've maybe you know we give him maybe too much respect i don't know if that's fair but uh but yeah he um you you know when we were when we used to criticize Randy Carlyle or Ron Wilson or whoever you know riverboat gamblers we would you know you see what's going on and you you know you to your point i think you you see what they're trying to accomplish and it's not working but i don't know with mike babcock it feels like he's always yeah, I feel. I feel like I don't know if it's his own projection of himself, or maybe just my perception, or how some other people perceive him. But he seems like he is one step ahead the whole time, or two steps ahead of everybody. And almost like you know what I mean. In press conferences, it's like he see, he hears like he starts answering the question before it's done being asked. Like you know what I mean. So I, in those types of situations, yep, yep, you know, he <laughs> played good. He's a good player. He's good for us. Good for the team. Good. <laughs> He's a good guy. (laughs) Like I love how he uses the word "good" as a description. Like, did you hear that they were talking about? I think I was on TSN radio. They're like, he went to McGill University. Like, he's an educated guy. He's not dumb. No, but again, (laughs) you know, this is all part of what we've you've talked about. We've talked about now, and we've talked about before. Is you know, his job is not to be smart to make you think he's smart. That's not his job. So, if part of what he wants to do is make you think he's dumb to actually accomplish what his job is, fine. That's part of it. Right. Right. I'm not saying that's what he's doing, but we all know he's not a dumb guy mm-hmm. and he acts like he's like, hi there. Hey, I'm, hey I'm, my name's Mike. I just, uh, <laughs> I just started here and there's uh, there's a nice
2: bench. I'm going to go stand behind and. Uh, he looks like he's the kind of coach that would get like a bagel stuck in a toaster during.
1: <laughs> and call a maintenance clerk to come and get it out for him. Because you know, like that's a problem you wouldn't have to deal with in your normal life outside of being an NHL coach. Right. <laughs> That that blew me away yeah. honestly too funny if I'm if I'm Randy Carlisle in that situation, I'm like, no you don't fucking go get the maintenance guy. Yeah. I will figure this out myself. I'll take yeah. the fucking toaster apart before you go <laughs> get the maintenance guy. Did you record this is gonna air on TV. I've got a wife and children like I can't have this air where I can't get a piece of toast out of a toaster but hey, sure enough. Hey, we both worked at restaurants and
2: we both know that those big ass toasters with the rollies on them Things do get stuck in there. They get stuck in there. You got to stick things in. But you got to figure that shit out yourself, man. You don't call the maintenance guy in. When I had 12 turkey clubs on the go, I didn't have time to call in a maintenance person. I had to (laughs) fish that whole wheat toast out of there as fast as I could. (laughs) Sorry, this is a hockey podcast, right? Yeah, (laughs) Uh, Let's move along. We kind of spoke about it a little bit, which uh, would be the vet stepping up. I've been pretty impressed with them, especially over the last week. And we can't say all all but I have a hard time finding one that I would knock Uh, the fourth line has just been ripping Babcock commented on it after one of the games previously and uh, mentioned somebody asked him about about uh, Boyle specifically but he just said that line has just been been ticking and I agree completely might Um, be the best
1: fourth line in hockey right
2: now right now for sure Um, and obviously Riley stepping up in a big way. And on Saturday night, uh, we've talked about Bozak JBR, uh, potted one on Saturday as well. Um, all of these sort of vets seem to have kind of stepped up to the plate at just the right time. Um, is that a sign of sort of veteran leadership coming through in the clutch? Uh, Um, sorry, I almost started laughing and going and making that push to the playoffs as, (laughs) as if somebody like Bozak understands that, that, that much, but. You know, obviously he does to a to a certain degree. So is that is that what we're seeing? Is vets just kind of uh, uh, stepping in and teaching the young the young guys what what to do
1: in these moments? Well, this is what this is what those players do on every team. This is what those types of players do. The difference is, those the Leafs haven't had those players in years past. And they haven't, and not only that, when they have had them, when they have had the JVRs and the, and the Bozaks and all those players in place, and because remember, before, earlier, those players weren't the seasoned veterans that they are, they were up and comers themselves. But when you finally get your Kadri, Bozak, JVR, Morgan Riley, all these guys sort of coming, just sort of starting to play, you know, not to, it is a cliche, but literally in midseason form, as soon as they start to hit their stride, now you've got this cast of rookies that has been complementing the whole the, the team this whole year and that's something they definitely didn't have before you know this uh this crop of 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 a, of generational players where you're you you would expect eight players of that age to make an impact years down literally years down the road and they are stepping in and and being you know I don't I don't know one person who can say honestly that they thought that Austin Matthews was going to come into this league and be a dominant first line center like even the people who had high hopes for him said oh yeah he'll play on the first line but that's it he'll play on the first line he'll be he'll be the leafs you know top line center which which at, you know in in the off season this past off season wasn't saying much but doing what he's done this year is obviously taking them to another level and when you complement that with the play of again i don't want to i mean this is i mean this is what we're doing here this is what the show's about but you we have to keep going back to Marner and Knight, nelander because they're so peripheral when we talk about Matthews, yet they're so critical to the team and the team's success this year. So look at the rookies, what they've done. You complement that with the fact that the, the veterans have decided to start playing, as far as I'm concerned, the best, the best hockey that they've played all year as a group. You've got a recipe for, you know, hopefully an exciting playoff run.
2: We can we can
1: only hope. We in can this only case, hope, right?
2: It's <laughs> still that thing we talked about it a couple of podcasts ago. That uh, that fear, I think, that all Leafs fans have, you know, that the wheels are going to come off, something crazy is going to happen, they're going to get blown out by a last place team or, or something. We
1: touched on this earlier. The difference for me, you were talking about when they're playing teams like like um, you know Carolina and uh, Detroit. The difference for this team is that you know in years past you know being a leaf fan you're watching you're looking at the standings going okay let's see where you know we're 7 games out of the or 7 7 points out of the playoffs and there's 9 games left and okay so we have to win basically all of our games and you know Pittsburgh has to basically lose all their whoever you know what I mean so it's like you're, you're sort of doing this math that is it's pathetic and it's not going to work and you know like you're in you're, you're watching a game where you're only down by one goal and then you get <laughs> scored on again you're like yeah. fuck yeah you can't you know like you're 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 running through a treadmill in quicksand um but this year, it seems like it's different. You know, they're they're clearly not uh, one of the one of the best teams and one of the better teams and going to contend this year. But against those teams that are not in the playoff picture right now, and against teams that they that don't have that have a worse record than they do, not only do you sort of go into those games expecting that they should win and they probably will, but when they're down, you don't feel like they're out. You know, there was years past where. You know, you feel a second, you know, second goal goes in. As soon as it's three one against the Leafs, well, that's the end of the game, right? Since Sen- Sundin left, really, it, exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. And 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 now it does seem like, um, um, you know, obviously other, you know, when you when you've got a score in your favor, you feel better about it. But when the Leafs are down by one, by two, and especially down by one, the game's not over, right? And that's my bad again. That one was on the computer, so I don't even know how. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Even, I mean, it's just it's a gong show this week. And hey, good news though, good news. That was Murray confirming his, his spot <laughs> later on. So, we're good to go. So this uh statement gets
2: thrown <sighs> thrown around a lot haphazardly, but I feel like in this case it is very accurate <sighs> what which is you, you
1: have right? one job to do. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, you know what? So this is what I'm going to do. You're my witness. I'm gonna close the computer. I'm not even gonna reference any statistics. Look at this. I'm going. I'm flying. I'm off the grid. Okay. Gonna turn my phone off. Off the grid. To, Nothing yeah. says off the grid more than an iPhone <laughs> in front of a MacBook. <laughs> I, well, I closed it though, so, and I turned my phone upside down. So I am in comunicato. <laughs> okay. So we should slide into one more. Then I'm thinking for the
2: other things we we're gonna talk about with Elise, we can tie that in with Murray, as mm-hmm. I would like to get his opinion on on the last couple. Beauty. Um. One thing I was going to say on the vets, though, and this is completely unrelated to the current season, um, but we might have some younger listeners who might not remember this. But do you remember Bozak's first goal? Absolutely, how, absolutely. How money
1: was that? It was money, and you know what? I can tell you. I can tell you it was. Uh, it was against Philadelphia, and I'm trying to remember the goalie. Um, I want to say. Briscala. was it would it be i was gonna might say might have
2: been th- the name that we sh- thou shalt not speak that's or... right. <laughs> yeah hey, you know what
1: i'm a leaf fan so i'll talk that's about true. True. flyers and, fans uh, don't want yeah any. yeah the flyers fans will talk about david clarkson or something is so... there a goalie that flyers fans do want to talk about in their history <laughs> ron hextall is that it yeah hey, you know what only hey, one. if they want to talk about ron hextall then i'll talk about felix poppin how about that <laughs> boom all right all right it. um so we were going to talk about
2: Anderson, but you know what? I would like to hear Murray's opinion on that too. So do you think we can slide right into Murray with these last
1: couple of uh, of topics here, or okay, we'll uh, we'll talk to Murray after this.
2: Welcome to Around the League, featuring Andrew Murray.
1: Okay, I got the ringer off. Uh, I got the uh, the sound off on the computer, and we got Murray on the line. Murray, you there? I'm here. Look at that. We're almost professional. This is pretty good, yeah. Yeah, we're one step out of Bush League. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> Murray, I how are you doing? ECHL. <laughs> ECHL. <laughs> I don't know. That's a that's a stretch. <laughs> we're not quite there yet. <laughs> um, before we were talking to you, we, were, uh, we wanted to talk to you about two things going on with the Leafs. Number one was uh, Matthews is seemingly struggling right now. He's been pointless in his last five games. Um you know personally I'll just my two cents before I throw it to you Murray is you know you have a player like this that comes in and takes the league by storm and you know he has a quiet week and and it's it's a notable point of conversation i guess i'm making fun of myself cuz we're the ones who are bringing it up but of course we're not the only you know leaf observers who are making the point but what do you make of this is this just 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 is this just a kid who's just having a quiet week in the nhl or is it uh is do you think he's getting worn down or um what do you make of the uh, the mini slump from one Austin Matthews?
3: I think if anything, he's uh, he's probably a little tired. He's never played this many games before. Like rookies in the league don't play, uh, but rookies coming into the league have never played an eighty-two game schedule before. So I think that's part of it. Um, but would you say that uh, Alex Ovechkin is a bad player because he hasn't scored in ten games? Um, you know, they, they guys go through a bit of slumps
1: here and there and he'll bounce back. Yeah, he'll no, back. And th- that's yeah, that's that's exactly what we were we were touching on earlier. Again, I think it's when you have a player that is support, supposed to be putting up points and he doesn't, even if he is a rookie, um, you know, it, especially in Toronto, uh, it, if he goes silent, of course, that's going to be a point of conversation. Now, did you have a take on that or...? I have no fear. I don't uh, with Matthews. Right there's nothing in the back of my mind that's
2: saying, uh oh, uh oh, and I mean obviously that just comes from his uh, his his pedigree and and what he's done up till now. But it is a little bit disconcerting. But that this is why Tom and I talked about this before we called you, Murray. But um, th- it's odd that Babcock hasn't done anything with that line, um, considering it, it's pretty obvious that Hyman will just. He's just a third guy. Um, and Nylander seems to not be capable of carrying a line on his own unless he has a man advantage when he's doing it. So it seems kind of odd that he hasn't done a bit of a shakeup there, um, especially before Bozak and JVR seem to get back into the swing. Um, so that was the only fear for me, is that he's just kind of leaving them toiling away there. But I think ultimately um, there's sparks of, of the Matthews we all know that's there in every game. And, and like Jury has said previously, he pumps pucks onto the net every game he'll come out of it. It's just one of those sort of, uh, maybe he's putting too much pressure on himself or he's carrying a lot on his shoulders. I don't know. Uh, Ultimately, I'm not really worried.
3: Yeah. Does anybody, sorry guys, does anybody know his, uh, shop percentages? Like his, um, shots on goal and, and all that. Has anybody looked at that? I'm just trying to pull it up myself. Yeah, but I think... Are shots still there? Is
1: scoring chances still there? Not, just not burying it? Or? Not still looking it up. The last I heard while Not's looking this up here, um, I believe he still has a shot in every single game that he's played in, and I do believe he is still among the league leaders in shots, total shots for the season. Um, that being said, I don't think it would bode well for his shooting percentage that he has that many shots, but certainly his goals are not slumping, not what he got.
2: He's still putting the puck on the net, although over the last three games, so the last three, even that they won, he only has four shots over those three games, So one, one, and then two against Carolina. So it's, it's not, it's clearly not quite the same uh, person that we've been seeing. His shifts are roughly exactly the same as they have been. He's playing roughly the exact same number of minutes he has been. So, um, something seems a little bit off there. But it could also be that, you know, some, this is what happens. There's ebbs and flows with teams, right? And and especially with the Leafs, where they kind of have three number one lines or three number two lines or three number three lines, whatever you want to call it. When Kadri and, and Komarov get going, and yeah, the other ones kind of sit back a bit. And it seems like, obviously, the Marner-Bosey and JVR line has taken the reins for the last week. Maybe, it, maybe it'll be Matthews this week. Who knows?
3: could be, um, you know, at the start of the year, teams didn't totally know. Not much about him, but there's a bit bigger uh, sample size, a bit bigger book to put together on him now, and maybe guys are playing him a little differently, and uh, coaches are getting a little smarter on how to shut him down, maybe push him to the outside on a certain side versus the other, and they notice that his shots are down or something like that, so uh, I haven't watched uh, in depth on that kind of thing, but it'd be interesting to pay attention to that.
1: Yeah. If, it- there's something... Yeah, no, that's right, Murray. And, and to that point, it's not just uh, how you play him, but also just you know being aware of the player that he is. And like you said, there, there's some teams that uh, you know in the Western Conference may have had you know almost the entire year to prepare to, to see him uh, w- when they were on that uh, California road trip. So um, yeah, uh, very likely that. And, and, and again, of course, too, when you're when you're on the road, um, and and the opposing team's coach has the ability to play whoever he wants against your players you know dollars to donuts are he he, they're going to be playing their best players against austin matthews um and to your point not actually appreciated that uh what you said there the fear factor I, i agree there's no fear there there's uh he had that sort of mini slump um after he torched the league in the first game he sort of uh fell asleep for a little bit which again didn't get much attention because everybody was like yeah you know if you're less than 20 and you're a rookie and You know, still sort of in awe of the four goals, as opposed to the you know paying attention to the slump. But um, yeah, when you watch the game, he still passes the eye test. There's no, there's it doesn't look like he's being hampered by an injury. So I'm just going to chalk it up to a uh, a market correction, as we've uh, as we've said before. Um, But moving on, Murray, um, we kind of wanted to uh, have a little fun. We we don't do this too much. We try to stick with the analysis, but we wanted to to have a little bit of uh, speculation here. uh, I know that we should be focusing a little bit on the playoffs but you know nothing's a, sh- a guarantee so with that in mind and the future always on the horizon we wanted to get into some of the potential targets uh that that we that you think or you know the three of us may say, think that the uh, the Leafs may try to go after uh this offseason. Clearly the uh the glaring hole is the um the blue line um this is a project though right they're not going to be ready to contend this year and they're they're not going to be knocking on the door of the the Stanley Cup playoffs next year either likely that being said the blue line is the is the biggest point of weakness and with that in mind where do you see them going with respect to free agency the trade market if you're Lula amarello if you're in the front front office um if you have a specific person in mind, I'd love to hear it. If not, where's your, what's your general, um, what's your target? What's your, um, what's your, what's your plan? How do you attack the off season?
3: I think it goes without saying you're in the sweepstakes for Kevin Shattenkirk. That if you can land Shattenkirk and you pay him the big dollars, um, Your your team is young, so you still have guys on young contracts. Just make sure that you've got the money to uh, to pay those guys when their their payday comes. But I think if you look at Matthews, Nylander, Marner, um, you can have those guys at an affordable rate for the next uh, definitely the next two years after this year. I'm sure you can bridge them at a, a fair market value for another one or two and then their big payday comes so if you could sign Shattenkirk for three to five years at uh you know top dollar if you have to I think that fits their cap situation and uh I don't know whether Shattenkirk wants to come to Toronto but um I think Toronto's got to make a play and basically open up the open up the bank to pay him because the way their team's set up I think they could do it so he'd be he'd obviously be number
2: 1 on my list. So besides a, the fact that he's a right-handed shot and he's obviously an established player, Shaddy to me is interesting because I'm not sure he's what the Leafs D needs. Is he really that? You know, we've all been waiting that, you know, this team has been built slowly but surely, piece by piece, and we've all been kind of waiting for this big D move to happen. We know there's somebody coming in that's going to be, you know, replace Riley as the number 1 or or at least take the weight off his shoulders a bit shattenkirk just seems like he's he's more established obviously more successful but another cut of the same cloth to a lot of the d they already have Uh, to me the kind of d that they need to bring in regardless of and again yeah tom like you said babcock has a bit of a hard-on for having players shoot the right way in the right slot but what the leafs need is sort of that bigger they have lots of of sort of um, n- nimble is that we call them puck moving deep um right. they need that sort of big presence that that big shot that um you know your power play quarterback they need and i don't know that shattenkirk fills that role completely i mean i know he's he's a fantastic player but is he really who they need or is this going to be an example of the least of, of us looking back three years from now and saying god damn it that was the move that that was just stupid and we wasted a ton of money
1: on a player that wasn't the right fit So, just quickly, my my take on that is two quick points. Number one, um, you have to be, for me, you have to be a bit careful what you what you wish for because if I had to guess, what you the type of player you just said, you just described, whether you know it or not, you know, regardless of the season he happens to be having this year, but you just described Shea Weber to me, right? Because he's big, he's powerful, he can move the puck, he can shoot the puck. He can play on the power play. He'll kill penalties. He's massive. He's from Western Canada. He's a right-handed shot. I don't know how many of these things, things I'm repeating, but he's just everything you want. The problem with that is there's just not a ton of those players. I didn't. I didn't and I mean that. You don't want a Shea Weber-type player. You want Shea Weber. Mm-hmm. And just like when we didn't have a centerman, you didn't want a player like Sidney Crosby. You wanted Sidney Crosby. Well, <clears throat> in my opinion, those players don't exist. They, they exist in one-off situations, and the teams that have them aren't giving them up. Ironic that I say that about Weber, I guess. But, um, but regardless, um, no. To to, the, to respect with respect to Shattenkirk, it's not that I don't think it's a fit. It's not that I don't think he could or couldn't play on the team. What what I reference is, um, and you know, I've said this before. With the team building, the way that this team is building you're going you're gonna to sign free agents. It's going to happen. When the time is right, they're going to sign their guys. And they're going to sign big ones too, not just these, you know, a couple of, you know, Matt Martins. There's going to be a handful of guys, or not a handful. There's going to be one or two big, big ticket free agents. So Shattenkirk is one of those. So if you're the Leafs, you've got to decide, are you spending your your, your overpriced contract? You get one or two. If you're going to build a contender, you can't have five overpriced contracts. It's not going to work. So if you're the Leafs and you've got you've you've got this opportunity to get a player and you know you're going to overpay for him, you can only do that so many times. My question to you or my question within the if I'm, you know, front, part of the front office is is this the player we're going to burn our shitty contract on? And for me, when you when you just break it down like that, the answer is no. If you lo- if if you got him on good money, then yes, he's a player that can help the team. But for me, if he's going to get 7 over 7, I turn that deal, deal down. Murray, what do you think?
3: Well, how many guys are coming up in the next year or two, like this year and next year? Like, this is your window to overpay when you have Matthews, Marner, Nylander, those three anyways, on entry-level deals. As soon as those guys get out of their entry-level deals, they need to get paid. So you have two more years of arguably high-end, if not elite, uh, maybe at least a little early, but you, you win the Cup with great players on entry-level deals, and here you have three guys carrying the team as rookies, fill out that roster in the next two years while those guys are cheap, and make them run at it. Like, you're you're close, in my opinion, you're close.
1: So, so, I don't have a problem with that answer, Murray, but I guess the only thing I would say is the only thing I'd want you to f- fill me in on or expand on is, um, do you acknowledge if you do it this way that you've got a two year window at which point beyond you've got big, big question marks?
3: Well, I guess the question is, does coming out of entry does do you pay Matthew's top end money do you have do you a cho- do you have a, do
1: you have a choice, Murray? If you're if you're Matthew's agent, he's
3: restricted,
1: it doesn't matter, so, Murray. If you're if you're doing what he's doing, don't you think that don't you think his agent comes in and says, one day we're not going to be restricted? So you make the right choice now, or we'll make a different choice later. I mean, to to me, yeah, right? I'm not but, trying to. I don't want to cut you off, but I understand the concept of a bridge deal. But when you if you're going to come in and dominate the league, no bridge deal, man. No bridge deal.
3: So, do the other two get bridge deals, or do the other two get top end money as well?
1: If if Mitch Marner and and Matt uh, and, and Austin Matthews just the two of them, if they continue on the path that they're on, the path that they're on, including the 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 the, the you know the progression and getting better, if they continue on the same trajectory, we're fucked. They're ten million dollar players. So, so my, so my point, and I don't think they'll get it. I don't think they're going to get ten million dollars right away. But they're not going to get your your two point nine million dollar bridge deal. No. No, I mean that's no, not happening.
0: They're, they're, they're five six million coming out of entry level, right? Sure. But
1: that's but that's five six million on a short deal, in my opinion. Right, that's not going to be like a. I don't think you're gonna. I don't think Matt Matthews is going to be wooed by a. By a you know a five year thirty million dollar contract, he's going to say I can make thirty million in three years. Never mind six years or for whatever. not what's your take on this? You've been quiet. Well, the Leafs
2: do have some money coming off the books over the next couple of that's seasons. That's a good as point well. too. Yeah, um,
1: some of which we don't ever yeah. see
2: because it's buried in Robodale Island or, or off somewhere. else.
1: That money doesn't count,
2: though. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but <laughs> some they,
1: some of that money does. Some of the other money does. That,
2: that's right. And there's some players that's- that that obviously aren't a part of the long term here that are making decent coin that are going to free up a few a few million here and there which, which could be enough to, to do that um for Marner and Matthews they're. I mean if Marner keeps going the way he is yeah these are two number one players or, or franchise players right um Nylander I don't think is going to be of the same ilk and I imagine he'll get dealt at some point along the way here within the next few seasons um are the Leafs really though Marie you were mentioning before are they really poised to be really competing over the next couple of seasons during those entry-level deals? Like, are we really uh, of the belief that they're Stanley cup contenders during the entry-level deals?
3: Did you, if at the start of the year, somebody told you the Leafs would be in a playoff spot on March 13th, would you believe them?
2: No, no, definitely not.
3: So are they not further, they're further ahead than I think anybody thought they were. Agreed. So, I, it, honestly, you make the playoffs, you have a chance. You're not Washington. You're not Chicago. You're not Pittsburgh. I get it. You're not those teams. But if you can make the dance this year, get some experience, and then make the dance again next year with some better players, who knows what happens.
1: And it's not a bad point. I would say to you, um, I would point to a team like Minnesota, who is clearly going for it this year with the moves they made at the trade trade deadline. However, a casual observer would look at Minnesota and say, you're, any, you're, you're far from a lock to, to win the cup. I mean, you're a good team.'re the yeah, I think they still have the best record in the West, I believe. Um, but they're not necessarily what most people would consider the best playoff team in the West. And even if they came out of the West, you still got probably a powerhouse to, con- to contend with in the East. But the reason I picked Minnesota for this point is that I would say that you know a, an observer would look at Minnesota and say that they're in a situation where you know they're in a market where they've got a lot of unknowns. You've got one of the best goalies in the world right now. You've got one of the best uh, blue lines in the league right now, and your offense is clicking. So, yeah, everything's working. You go for it. This is the problem. Minnesota's going for it this year, and that's it. Because they don't have the money, and they don't have the resources, and they don't have enough of anything to to do anything beyond what they can see. And what they can see right now is a window, a a window to – to, to winning the cup this year, they could actually do it, and so they go for it, and they mortgage the future a little bit by trading around their first round pick. I argue that the Leafs are never going to be in a position; don't ever want to be in that position because I don't think that they are striving for that um, that window to say, "Get as far as we can," and when we can, when we can taste it, when we can smell it, we're gonna we're gonna jump and reach for it. You know, the, not to not to give them too much credit and 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 to you know read their book and read their uh their their campaign ads but the front office of the leafs have been saying time and time again these are the things that they're not going to be tempted by is making these little these little you know short-sighted moves to say we've got a two window here or a two year window here or 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 what have you so for me the reason why it doesn't you know, to to your point, it makes sense, and you're right, Marie. Once you're in, especially with a good player like that, you know, adding to your D line or your blue line, you know, anything could happen. But I don't think they're looking for the anything can happen. I think they're looking for the we want we want the result to be more sure and the long term result, and the, and the and again the you know the the goal to build towards something. So that's the only reason why I've been rambling here. But that's for me. That's why I can't see them making a move like that. Is because I don't think they are looking for that two year window. I think they're literally saying. We want to be able to contend in five years. We want to still be contending in ten years. You know, they yeah, want they definitely. want they want to build a Detroit of the '90s. They want to build a Chicago of the late 2000s. And I don't think a Stanley Cup is. I don't think they're going to consider a one Stanley Cup a true success, in my opinion.
3: They're they're definitely building, and they're not going to give away pieces that hinder the long term growth. What I'm saying is, Kirk's out there. Your guys are cheap right now. If the money makes sense, like Van Riemsdyk, Bozak, Komarov, they'll come off the books next year, after next year, right? We've got them one more year, then they're off the books.
1: I believe that's right. That's right.
3: Yeah, and uh, Eric Fair comes off the books. (laughs) Anyway, um, just looking at different things. Yeah,
1: there's a bunch, yeah.
3: Yeah, there's a bunch of guys that come off the books, and if you – position it properly. And if some of these draft picks that they've been stockpiling and young guys, like even if you hit on a couple more of them, um, I I don't know. I just, I totally agree with you that they're not going to give up the long-term vision for a short-term go at it. But when there's guys out there that are elite players in the league and it doesn't cost you anything to get them other than possibly overpaying them for for a window where you Probably have some extra dollars on your hand. You got to think about it.
1: Yeah, and I'll give you that, Murray. That's the one thing I've actually always made the point of the the thing about UFAs is that it can't be argued. Is that you don't you don't give up an asset to acquire them. You just sort of take on the contract. So that that is a great point. Um,
2: not yeah. Um, with Shatty, the established player, great player, no no doubts on that. I, I don't I agree with Murray that at the end of the day, especially this type of demand does not become available in this in free agency like this. So maybe it is the time that they're going to have to pull the trigger. I guess my only concern is just if he's not your guy, um, are you wasting money? Are you putting, because yes, you're right. You don't have to give anything up, but if you sign somebody to a large contract in a way, you are giving something up because somebody needs to leave for you to make space in general for, for that person to come in. Um, having said that every team, like you look at the the powerhouses, every team has two top players, right? I mean, Kane and Taves and, and Malkin and Crosby and, uh, Ovi and Backstrom and so on. Why can't the Leafs have Matthews and Marner? Why why is it that we have to sort of talk as if it's one or the other? I don't think it is. And in that in that vein too, most of these teams are, you know, have those extra pieces. You've talked about Hossa before as as a major piece of the of the Blackhawks. Um, so, yeah, Castle as well. Exactly. Um, so I feel like the Leafs have room for all of it. To me, that the only worry with Shattenkirk is term. It's not the money, obviously. It's never the money with the Leafs. It's it's term. How long are you locking in for and will he still be the guy you want him to be when he's 30, when he's 31? We don't, I guess we don't really know. Um, obviously, you never know with any player. Um, maybe it's time to, to slide in because that gives us an, an avenue, speaking of which.
1: Yeah, we could talk about this probably. <laughs> I was going to make another point, but yeah, let's move on. Uh, we got a couple more things we want to touch on here.
2: Um, I was going to just bring up Anderson real quick there, Murray, because it's kind of the same idea. Is he going to be the person we want him to be when we need him to be there? Um, if that makes any sense. Um, he's He's been good this year. Inconsistent, but good. Is he going to be the guy that the Leafs need when they are making those eventual cup runs, which everybody seems to be in agreement will be happening within the next couple of years. Is he going to be the guy? Do we Do we see Frederick Anderson hoisting a Stanley Cup, hoisting a, Hoisting? Do they hoist the president's trophy? I guess not, eh? Fuck, I would. <laughs> yeah. Screw it. Um, do we see him being that guy? Uh, what's your take on that?
3: I sure hope so. I sure hope so. They got. I. He's he's proving this year that he. You know what? Take away was the first ten games. He wasn't very good.
1: And then January first, too. Take January away too. Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay, and we'll take away the last five games for uh, Matthews, and he had a five-game stretch <laughs> earlier in the year. He had no points. Yeah, I don't know. Goal, goalies get goalies get shit on so easily because, like, the team's not playing well. Go, goal, oh, goalies not playing well. But how much of it is the defense potentially in front of them? Um,
2: not on I mean, Toronto. I don't, I don't, that wouldn't be an no, issue on no. Toronto. No, Roman
3: Polak <laughs> is fantastic. <laughs> um, <laughs> he is worth. 2nd round picks. That's <laughs> he, he honestly,
1: we're gonna get get a call from his agent one day saying, Let's "Shut the fuck oh. up about Bola," because he just gets he just gets skinned on this show.
3: <laughs> I don't. Know, I think Anderson proved like he's been in the league. This is his fourth year, and uh, like I'm just looking last year, 43 games, 22 wins. The year before that, 54 games, 35 wins. So he's proven that he can win. Obviously, Anaheim was a pretty good team. But uh, Toronto's putting together a good team. He's a serviceable, above-average goalie, and you put together the proper defense in front of him. I think he he serves the purpose he needs. I don't think he's ever gonna turn into the elite goalie that you uh, that like. He's not gonna turn into Price B something like that. But he's gonna turn into like Corey Crawford, something like that. That's how I see it. A serviceable goalie. To get your team the wins when they need them and win in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a fair assessment. I think Murray. Actually, I've, the thing about goalies, I've always said, is that um, when you look at the best goalies, or even not even the best goalies, sometimes, but maybe you could call the you know say the goalies that you know won the cup or or had success at a high level, it doesn't always seem like they have conventional paths to uh, professional hockey. Um, unless your name is Carey Price or Marc-Andre Fleury, where you get drafted high and, you know, sh- and then follow through with, with a successful career, there there's way, way, way more goalies that get picked in the, you know, sixth round and find a way to... I just, like, just off the top of my head, you know, like, so, like, Tim Thomas and, like, you know, Brayton, Brayton Holtby is actually another good example. I think he was, a, he was, like, a, I don't want to say, like, a sixth rounder, although that could be way, I, I have no idea, but I want to say he's a late rounder. Um, anyway, the point is, uh, with goalies, more often than not, because they, uh, sorry, Dubnyk, Dubnik's another good example. Um Goalies more often than not um, seem like they not only do they mature later, but they also um, they're more unpredictable in terms of their ceiling. So for me, Anderson's the type of goalie where um, he's the the exact type of goalie that they should have targeted. And I'm glad they did. And even if it, even if it doesn't work out, I'm glad they did because he's got to your point there, he's got the numbers, he's got the pedigree to become and to be um, a really good NHL goalie, not elite to your point, probably not, you know, I mean I hope but I would never I'd expect to count him in the top 5 goalies in the league but I would probably wouldn't count Crawford there either and and he can you know he can get the job done and win a cup on a good team so uh, I would agree with you there in terms of saying that he's he's a goalie that could that could get the job done
3: Yeah I hope he was a fourth round pick 93rd overall Yeah there you go teams probably wish they picked him.
1: There's, uh, you know, what one of my favorite pastimes is going over old drafts and being like, "Holy <laughs> shit, I can't believe he got passed up." Yeah, what what year was he drafted? Two thousand eight. Trying to remember who was in that draft. Who got <laughs> who got first overall that year? Is that Taylor Hall? Was that that year? Taylor? Let's put that out to the
0: listeners. Let's have a call-in session. It's not a live show, Murray. Yeah. <laughs> I got my cat oh. right here. Other than that, there's no, there's nobody listening to us. Like, not a live show? No. <laughs> uh, maybe we could put on our stats team
3: to check that for us. We don't have a stats team, you're, Murray. You're the stats you're team. You're the stats
2: team. Apparently, you
1: have a computer on in front of you there. Tom closed his, oh. his earlier. So it wouldn't make noise and not wouldn't yell at me. <laughs>
3: Okay, well, let's keep the small chat going while it loads up here. Well, oh, Stamkos, I have something to say if you guys even don't mind.
1: Damn, Oh, Stamkos.
3: First overall, Stamkos. 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 Stamkos.
1: and that was Drew Doughty's second overall. Yep.
3: yep. Yeah. yeah. Who was third? <sighs> Good question. Exactly.
1: C- can you tell me the team?
3: Atlanta. Hey, remember
1: those guys? Evander Kane. No. Sorry. Right, now I feel stupid. Come on. Kovalchuk. Coval- no, not Kovalchuk. Oh yeah, worse than that. Kovalchuk, but that's way Worse off. Worse than
2: way, that. Way off. Um, did they? Did that player make it to the peg? I think so. So, no.
3: <laughs> Jesus. Who <laughs> <laughs> the hell? might still be in the league. Zach Bogosian. Oh, oh,
0: Buffalo. Yeah. He's in Buffalo. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Who wow. went,
1: wait, who went fourth?
3: Uh, a man named Alex Petrangelo.
1: Oh, um, man. Oh, Jesus, Atlanta. Man, no yeah. wonder you're not in Atlanta anymore. Yeah, St. Louis was laughing <laughs> then, there, eh?
3: Then, Tom, who's your favorite Leaf pick, fifth overall?
1: Yeah, Morgan Riley.
3: No, Luke Shen. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> at least oh, was
1: The, the, the hey, Tyler Big hey, year. It's funny you bring that up because this is actually the year that I love because Luke Shen, right? Luke Shen, fifth overall in 2008. I hate the fact that the Leafs passed up the player that I believe is, I want to say number 22, but I feel better knowing that that many teams also picked above him, and that is one Mr. Eric Carlson.
3: Yeah, Drew Dowdy, Zach Bogosian, Petrangelo, Luke Shen, Tyler Myers, Colton Tubert. Who? We're all selected, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Well, LA had two picks. They had uh, second overall and 13th overall that year. Well, Good for them. Yeah, they all those D men were picked ahead of
1: Eric Carlson. That's pathetic. Jake, it's because he's Jake a Gar- he's a weak Jake European.
3: Went
1: right after. Jake Gardner went yeah. after Carlson? Yeah, it
3: went Carlson, then Joe Colburn, then Jake
1: Gardner.
0: Hmm. Whew.
2: Um Anderson. The thing about him that's different than say Raycroft or or any other goalie the Leafs have brought in via trade is Anaheim didn't want to move him. They had to. They knew they were losing yeah. one of those two, and they went with the young guy, which is fair. I think we all, probably all would have gone with Gibson in that case, but they didn't want to get rid of him, and that's a that's kind of a point in his favor, that if they had it their way, they would have had him still there and, and running a one-two kind of dealy. So I'll give him the benefit of the doubt as far as that goes, but uh, not a great segue, but a good opportunity for us to jump into the playoff race here, yeah? Um, what I'd like to talk about is not just the Islanders, because it keeps sort of bringing them up like they matter, Oh, that seems mean. Yeah, that is mean, considering they're... (laughs) Are they ahead of us right now? Shots fired.
1: If they're ahead of us, then I... I I think they
3: just lost tonight. Did they? perfect. In
1: In overtime, at least? I mean, not in overtime, at least? Yeah. (laughs) Regulation? uh, Pardon? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It looked
3: like they were down by two, so... Beautiful. uh, Hopefully, hopefully not in overtime.
2: Perfect. Um, So, who do you think, then? It looks like the Leafs for that last wild card are going to be competing with the Islanders and the Lightning. And this this week is really important for the lightning to even stay in that conversation, or else it, it becomes the Leafs and the Islanders alone. Oh so, yeah no that's all right. <laughs> who, who is the bigger competition here? Are we talking the lightning? Or are we talking the islanders? I mean, who, who do the Leafs really have to worry about in terms of being chased down? who Who is the better team out of these three? Uh, I just kind of wanted to talk about who it looks like that final that final wild card is going to go up uh, between in these three teams.
3: Uh sorry, just real time update. Carolina is up eight to four on the Islanders. Ooh. With eight minutes to go.
1: Sorry, we're looking for NHL scores. Man.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. That's a good thing though, um, I guess.
1: That's halfway through the yeah. first quarter.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, is Tampa I, I missed following it. They had uh, their three center Iceman go down there in one game yep. earlier this week. I
1: saw that, yeah. Are they back, or I don't know? That's a know? that's that's a great question. Well, not looks into that. I don't know if he's going to find anything. But uh, I actually thought to myself, I remember when that happened, and I thought to myself, well, they've got Stamkos coming back at some point. Nobody knows exactly when. But on top of that, how how do you think they feel about trading away Boyle now? I mean. It, they they seem to me like a team that still believes that they could be effective in the playoffs if they get there and if if sort of you know they get a healthy Stamkos. But um, yeah, if if they're gonna lose those centermen and they consider themselves one of those dark horse teams who are still gonna make a push despite trading away the the, the bishop and, and the boy at the trade deadline, then I think they might question that that move in in hindsight.
3: Yeah, Johnson and Paquette were uh, lower body injuries tonight, so they didn't play. So. Um, I heard Stamkos just skating again. I don't know whether they'll rush him back, but I I personally think the Islanders might be the team we got to worry about. You know, they. Well, I, I guess my argument fits for both teams, but the Islanders have been in the playoffs, you know, the last little while. Um, Tampa has <laughs> obviously gone to conference finals the last little while. So, I don't know. I think Islanders are just... They're they're hot. They seem to be the second-half team, played their way back into it. Do you you think... the (laughs) Uh, Lightning, too.
1: I don't know. It's a... it's fucking sucks. Do you you think that the Islanders (laughs) are going to acquire a National Hockey League goaltender (laughs) (laughs) at some point? Or what's the plan there? (laughs) I mean, if you're going to call yourself a, you know, like a player, a contender in in the East...
3: Well, considering we just said that they are not playing in the National Hockey League losing eight to four, <laughs> then you don't need a National
1: Hockey League goaltender.
2: Whoa, 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 Carolina had thirty one shots. That's let's fair. not be too mean.
1: Fair point. What's the save percentage on that? Seven fifty? Seven fifty. It's about seven fifty. Thirty two shots would be seven fifty, so that's pretty bad. <laughs>
2: that is
3: pretty bad. I wonder, uh did uh what's his name? Aho? How do you say his name? Aho. Aho. Yeah, you've you've put bet, the you've I put the wrong
1: emphasis. Inf- you've put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. It's it's awful.
3: Yeah. Aho. Yeah, I bet he uh, has fun in the on the road in the hotel. I just need aho please. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even,
1: didn't even put together what you were saying there, but yeah, okay.
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh man, he had no point he, so he has no goals, no assists and he's plus four tonight. There's an around the league. There's a rookie that's gonna if he was on a better team, man, he'd have some fantastic numbers, but I agree with Anyways. that.
1: What about just want to throw it out there, Boston still concerns me. What's your what's your opinion about Boston? To me it's I I mentioned this earlier, Murray. I think it's for me it's 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 Boston, uh Tampa, uh the Islanders and the Maple Leafs fighting for two spots. That's what I see.
3: I think Boston gets one. Yeah. Like I I just think they get one. I don't see them falling apart.
1: Fair point. Um, good analysis. Uh, Rask
2: has been ripping pretty well all year too, fairly consistently, and, and that's a big factor going into the stretch, right? Especially in those last 10 to 15 games. Uh, if you have a goalie that's that's on, you're, you're in good shape, and maybe that's to your point on Long Island there, uh, there Tom. I don't know. Um, it feels like whenever anybody's brought up the Islanders over the last while, it hasn't been in this context. It's just been to talk about... Um, Dahan wearing 66 so perhaps it's nice to talk about to talk about them in a way that's different than than wearing Mario Lemieux's number I think that that the bigger competition is going to be the Islanders Um, it doesn't look like I think you'd hear a lot more about it if the if uh, the Lightning really thought that Stamkos was going to come back towards the end here and really come back I just don't think it's going to happen and if it does it'll be a very short spurt or he won't be playing his top minutes that he normally would so i think for eiserman he's probably just sitting there and going well we'll see if the other teams collapse and we squeak into the eighth then great but if not i don't think so uh, i think this week will be the decider for the lightning and they might just fall out of the race the islanders are an interesting piece because yeah they're gonna live or die on that goaltending situation and and who knows when that can go belly up on them but they do have a former gritty leaf in nikolai kuleman plugging away on that third and fourth line. I'm just saying. So, I mean, then that makes me a little bit scared because I know how strong Kuhlman is and, and how good at hockey he <laughs> is. Okay, maybe. Is
3: Jason Blake still playing there? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Jason Blake is like 50 at this point. He was pretty old when let, we got him.
1: Let me say, any, any player that the Leafs give up on, it's hard for me to have faith in that player. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: I thought you were going to say any player the Leafs give up on was not old favorite player. <laughs>
1: probably <laughs>
2: that too maybe hey 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 the Leafs gave up on Koliakovo as well just saying who else uh, went over there in that deal S- Steen. Steen yeah the uh, Leafs gave up on Steen let's talk Leafs about, gave up on let's on. talk
1: about Alex Steen and <laughs> Koliakovo for Stepniak We talk about that? let's not talk about
3: that when they gave Steen away they, it was kind of like how they just gave Kessel away Yeah, they were like they were they thought they needed to just move on and they found a deal that worked and they didn't want to pay a gentleman to be injured all the time and Kolyakovo. ironically he'd be perfect for them now cuz they just bury him wherever they bury players <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: you will see that actually Leafs will pick up Kolyakovo in the offseason is he still in the league
1: I don't know that's a great question he was pl- where the hell was he playing after um was it Buffalo? I want to say he was playing in Buffalo. Not, not. Well, Nats getting on that. We'll. Uh... Inactive. Inactive. Okay. Where what was it? What was his last NHL team?
2: <laughs> the Buffalo Sabers. Ah, I
1: thought so. Okay, um, moving on, Murray. We got to let you go at some point. What did we did? What was the last thing we did? Uh we only have one more thing left to go, and it was
2: to discuss who you think won. Or lost, or are we just making up a conversation here about who who wins or loses the trade deadline this year?
1: Yeah, Murray, final question is, who won the trade deadline, who lost the trade deadline? or answer the question that you wish was asked? <laughs>
3: <laughs> I have two questions I'd like to. Or two issues I'd like to bring up, but I'll answer the question that was asked because it was interesting. I think ultimately, I think long, long, long term, who won the who won the deadline? I think it's Vancouver.
1: Mm. Oh, that's an with, interesting pick. I wouldn't have saw that coming.
3: With With Dolan, I have heard some people say phenomenal things about him. I've heard some people say he's a career third, fourth liner, and he's going to be nothing special. But if they gave up Burroughs and get a guy who plays top six and has the hands that it looks like he has, that could be the steal of the draft. That could be one of those ones you look back on and think like, "Oh my god, why did they ever do that?" Short-term winner? I got to look over the uh the recent.
1: Wouldn't the short-term of, wouldn't the short-term winner be the Ottawa Senators, Marie? I don't think they've lost a game. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Um for for me, you know, I, I think j- just well, I think not's looking something up there. But I was going to say, uh, you know, I th- when any any time a team goes big, um, and I'll go back to Minnesota, there trading, you know, I tr- if you trade away in your first rounder, that's going big. Anytime a team goes big, I think they're either going to be put in the category of you know, you're either going to be the winner or the loser, depending on 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 what you got and how it played out and. It seems to me like it's not working out the way that they necessarily hoped. That being said, they didn't acquire him for the last five games. And when I say him, I should say Hansel. Um, They acquired him specifically for the playoffs. So we'll see how that trade pans out. But certainly in the short term, uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like giving up a first rounder was maybe the most prudent thing to do. No, Chicago
3: Chicago shoring up the blue line with Johnny O'Dea might might prove, uh, you know, a great depth pick, I guess. I don't know what you want to call it, but like, they always seem to, uh, to make a good, deep, like just they, they identify, we have a need. Let's go get a guy who's proven. We like him. They always seem to bring back guys that used to be there. And, you know, they're like, okay, we won the cup. We've got to blow it all up. We'll send you guys around the league. And, oh, by the way, at some trade deadline, we're going to bring you all back.
0: Like, yeah, know.
2: Chicago always seems to find a way, which I, I find interesting about them. Actually, one of our rival podcasts. I shouldn't even bring it up. We have a I, rival? Yeah, it's not rival at all. Is it no. just another podcast one you of, listen to? One of to? these established podcasts <laughs> that are actually successful. Um, you, are you, no, you want to call them out? Uh no, not call them out. Cause uh um Mostly. one of the guys you guys have probably heard of anyway, uh, Steve Dangle always says that oh, yeah, that Dangle. Chicago is like we constantly that was sort of his line all the time is that chicago just kind of goes around spending money left right and center and somehow it always works and they make these huge trades and major moves and it always seems to to find its way into the cap and that it all works out in the end but i wanted to quickly interject with my pick on who won which to me is right now you have to say immediately is calgary Mm. which is weird in saying but Michael Stone has apparently had a quite a stabilizing impact on that decor and it has led to Calgary playing quite well since the trade deadline. So you got to kind of maybe give it to them
1: in the short term. Nine in a row, I think that's pretty wild. 10 now, I think is it, it 10. Yeah. Anyway, whatever that's, it is, nine or 10. And that's, that's the most since the move from Atlanta to Calgary. So again, you know, it's easy to look at these things in a, in a, in a, under a microscope and, and, and say, you know, that, the. This, yeah, if Minnesota goes on to win the Stanley Cup, I, I'm going to tune, change my tune in a heartbeat. But um, yeah, it's, it's hard to say. It's really hard to say when you these trade deadline deals and some like to your point, Murray, you know, you've got everybody. Some people are tearing it down. Some people are building it up. So good for you for sort of going outside of the box and under the radar there because I would not have picked Vancouver. And to be honest with you, they didn't know much about that kid that they acquired. But, um, yeah, that's that's why it's a fun question is because, you know, it's just like it's just opinions and anybody's analysis over somebody else's about what actually makes a team better. So interesting to talk about anyway.
3: I heard a great comment, uh, a buddy, a Habs fan, and his comment at the deadline was like, hey, we have the best, we now have the best fifth line in hockey.
1: Yeah,
0: with all the moves that first Japan made. <laughs> that was yeah. that was my
1: favorite line. I think you touched on it. Not I don't know if it was on this show, but I heard you say it, and I actually heard it too. But I, I can't remember who said it. But I retweeted it. Retweeted. Somebody said after 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 they acquired whoever, one of their many trades <laughs> at the deadline, and they said, and the tweet was, "How many fourth fourth lines does uh, does Montreal have?" And 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 you're and both work, Murray. You're right. I think they might they do have the best fifth line in uh,
3: in hockey. Another, another pick that uh, Calgary made, you know, Ottawa wanted to, they just needed to move Curtis Lazar on. Um, he was not going to play in their top six. And after the World Juniors he had a couple years ago, he showed that he was uh, a good player, anyways, that should be something in the league someday. And uh, it just wasn't working in Ottawa for him. And I think they realized if they don't move him, they're going to lose him to Vegas uh for nothing. So, you know, they got a second round pick for Curtis Lazar and Calgary is giving the the kid another chance. So, um, if that hits, Calgary could have a great player on their hands there too. Um, he'll never be anything elite or whatever, but just a good, solid NHL player. So that could be another long term uh steal depending what uh Ottawa turns that second round pick into.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, you had a couple of questions you wanted to uh, to ask there, Murray?
3: Yeah,
1: let's flip the table here, Murray. You got anything you want to throw up?
3: Yeah, we'll start with uh, just um, Malkin and tearing the league up, just absolutely dominating the league. And he steps up to Blake Wheeler when Wheeler calls him out. Like, Malkin, game before, elbows him in the head, Dirty hit. Malkin knows, you know what? He probably shouldn't have done that. Wheeler calls him out, and Malkin steps up and fights the man himself. And Malkin kind of got dummied in the fight. But I think this may be one of the only times that Malkin will ever get a Gordie Howe hat trick.
1: I think you're right. And, um, you know, just for the reasons that you laid out, and for anybody who knows the history of the of the previous game and the hit and then, uh, then the follow-up game last week there, for me, Malkin wins the fight because he chose to fight and he chose to fight that player in that situation. And you're a winner right there for doing that because that was, you know, I don't, I, I'm not, I try not to be too old boy and too old school about it, but when a player um, challenges you the way that Wheeler challenged Malkin and he answered the bell, the way he answered the bell. And even to me, I don't know if you guys saw, but the interview right after the game, or it might have even been between periods, but I think it was after the game. Uh, they he was referencing that. Marie, I don't know if you saw it, but his character and the way that he conducted himself was so beyond respectful it just i i never i didn't know that Malkin had that in him to me he'd always been categorized in that grouping of of russian players that sort of don't quite have the same respect in terms of ability he's always had my respect but not in terms of the true respect for the game and the and the uh the you know the uh the commitment to playing fair and then answering the bell when you haven't but just the whole the whole situation and how it played out the fact that he hit Wheeler the way that he hit him in that previous game um he got called it for a fight he answered the fight and then in that post game interview he said um i he, i hit him in the last game and it wasn't a good hit and i know it wasn't a good hit he asked me if i you know if he, he challenged me to a fight and i accepted him. and that's and that's i mean to me that is the the be all and end all when it comes to respect. I don't I don't respect anything more than a player who's willing to say I know I'm going to lose and I'm still going to fight you.
3: Yeah. That was a stand up move.
1: No, and good on him. He deserves kudos. Not did you have a take on that or? Yeah, no, it's just uh part and parcel
2: of the way I think Malkin has been seen all the way through is are people really
1: surprised anymore? Like it's always been his um And know. no, and j- sorry to cut you off, but I was going to say and 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 Kudos to you for bringing that up because the, the the onus is on people like me who haven't given him respect until that day or, or not enough, I should say. I've always respected the person and the player and especially what he's abil- his ability to do, but you're bang on. You nailed it. He 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 should have had my respect before that. And the reason is because he, because of his personality, because he would have done that before. He just didn't have the opportunity.
2: Right. And, and I see him um, with the ultimate humility to me, right? And you could argue that he just wants to win cups. So that's why he's staying there, but... Come on, Malcolm could have gone anywhere else he wanted to in that league and been their their superstar and been the guy. And he was quite happy to just plug himself in there at the second in the you know behind Crosby ultimately. And he's been happy to do it and be a part of the team. And I think um, anybody who watches him play, I mean, he's dominant constantly. Uh, has he ever had a season where where you'd go, eh, not quite? A, maybe the lockout year well, and- uh, where it wasn't quite as strong as all the rest. So I, th- I feel like for Malkin, he's always been underrated. And obviously, that's not specific to to. Um, stepping up to uh, to a fight that, you know, to to Wheeler's credit, needed to happen. But in this case, I just feel like it's a it's constantly a thing with Malcolm, where people are sort of like, ah, oh, there he is again, there he is again, and in this case. There he is again. When it comes to to something that's more of that old boy traditional traditional style, but good for him. I mean, he's huge. I can't. (laughs) I don't understand why he would turn down that fight.
1: Just before I throw it to you, Murray. um, I know that. So personally, Murray, I know you're a big Malkin fan, especially when it comes to fantasy. I know you're always on top of it, and he is one of those guys who, uh, you know, with respect to fantasy hockey, one of the things is, and you know, this year is probably a pretty good example of that. Is um, Malkin's one of the guys that can lead the league in scoring period. I'm not saying he'll do it. And, you know, you never know when or if he's going to, but he's just one of those players that has the ability to lead the league. And he, you could say at the beginning of the year, you could say Malcolm's going to get the most goals this year. And you could say, well, I wouldn't have picked him, but I'm not shocked. Malkin's going to get the most points this year. Well, again, I might not have picked him first, but it's not, you know, it's not like it's crazy. It's a crazy prediction. But yet somehow he still goes under the radar as sort of being one of the second tier I guess I would say second-tier elite players just not getting that full respect and one of the things I read recently on a on a, um, on, a on a website was referencing you know uh, Alex ovechkin as being clearly the hands-down best Russian of all time and then the case being made against that saying that you know what um, it might be close but uh, there's a good case to be made for Malcolm maybe more of a complete player you might say um uh, Murray, did you want to touch on that? Um, like I said, I know that you're a big Malkin fan. Um, what do you think about that?
3: I'm a big, I'm a big Malkin fan, but he always screws you by getting hurt in the fantasy playoffs, like every year. <laughs> that's he right. Hurt. That's his Achilles <laughs> heel. Yeah, that's fair. Fucking sucks. Um, but it's funny to hear you guys say that he's considered underrated. Two time Stanley Cup champion, two time Art Ross Trophy winner, Calder Memorial Trophy winner. Okay, Calder, whatever take that one away Con Smite. He, <laughs> yeah. he was he was the mvp uh like the heart he won the heart in 2012 ted
1: Lindsay award um, man that's how arguably ted what Lindsay that's probably Ward. the best trophy to have to your name yep
3: and, and, and you guys are like yeah underrated like not i'm i'm not when I'm it, exaggerating but like you guys use the word underrated and it's like yeah he just flies he just does his does a job behind Crosby, and they have a great team.
1: But when I say underrated, though, what I, what I want to be clear, what I mean is, I don't mean that he's underrated with respect to the trophies and accolades that he gets within his profession. I think he's underrated in the hockey community of fans, Yep. The, that, a, the analysts, yeah. the analysts, the, the yep. you, you and the, the three of us. Yeah, I don't exactly. think people like us give him enough respect. I think people who know understand what was it i remember Dreger a few years ago picked him first overall in the, in the tsn thing yeah and you know again you know you might not pick him to be to get the most points in any given year but at the same time if he led the league in points at any given year those who know hockey are not shocked all right we're gonna wrap it up with Murray we had some interesting conversation this week yeah we did Murray picked it up for jury actually we appreciate that that's a, that's a two second, weeks in a row two weeks in a row you are you might be taking over the th- is he dethroning is he dethroned jury Is that what's happening I think so maybe he'll me you know what when jury's back from vacation I think we might lead off with Murray next week hmm Is that, should we do that? Let's relegate jury to like draft pick talk or something like we'll that. S- we'll see how it goes. And if it goes well, we'll continue. And if not, we'll demote Murray back to the uh, second half of the show.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, Murray's been good. Um, He's been good. Yeah. He's been good
1: on the fourth line there. Yeah, <laughs> Hyman's been good. Murray's been good. <laughs> All right, Murray. Uh, <laughs> Murray, our jury's in uh, Florida, actually. We, uh, we called him, but uh, we didn't think he'd answer and he didn't, so.
3: Get no dedication.
1: That's, no we, dedication. that's what we. That's what. Hey, you know what? You filled the spot, so it's yours. It's yours until he <laughs> wrestles it back from you. <laughs> anyway, Murray, thanks for your insight this week, and uh, enjoy uh, the playoff race here. And we'll probably catch up with you next week.
3: All right, guys, have a good one.
2: All right. Well, lots of time with Murray this week. He must be happy. He's moving up the depth chart, eh?
1: Yeah. I think Jury's going to smell a fish when he gets back. He's going to know he's been dethroned.
2: Yeah. I think, uh, he's probably going to come, come in guns a blazing, you know?
1: You know what? Let's make him earn it. <laughs> Let's, there's a, there's a roster spot available. <laughs> who wants to play? Who wants the top, the top, minutes is it Jury or Murray we'll see we'll see when Jury gets back from vacation and when he listens to this he's gonna be like oh is that
2: what you think all right well you can both fuck off he's, gonna, he's gonna listen
1: from Florida you know he's gonna <laughs> we should actually be kind to him because if we're if we play our cards right he may be able to expand our that's true our audience yeah because of all those F- Florida listeners who are gonna listen to a leaf podcast yeah
2: exactly yeah <laughs> um, he's he's kind of a, he's like our beat reporter for this week right we can hear back from him uh, on, on next week's podcast
1: that's right what did you see down at the Florida game didn't yeah you? Exactly, yeah. What happened there amongst those four or 500 fans you were there with? I didn't even think about that. Actually, just for our listeners, I don't even know if this is going to work out this way, but for those who might happen to actually watch that game, Jury is, the last we talked to him, is actually going to try to get tickets behind the Leaf bench for that game. Yeah, just in case you
2: didn't think he was balling enough already, (laughs) uh, based on him being down in Florida. His wife, by the way, was there a couple of weeks prior to this. No big came Came home for a few days and then went back. Yeah. Uh, anyway yeah he's gonna sit front row as well also has season tickets so jury is you know a- I think
1: Murray just got bumped back let's keep let's get let's keep jury up to the front <laughs> yeah, that's true <laughs> i want, I he's, want to keep in jury's good books he's here.
2: a real ticket yeah anyway we had uh, lots to talk about with Murray there so um yeah we'll keep it short at the end here uh, once again we want to thank everyone for listening again if you make it this far it's just fantastic that that you're uh that you're that person and, and hello to the <laughs> to the few of you that I know definitely do make it to this point in every podcast. Six people, I think there's six, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, again, you can re- you can find us on uh, on iTunes and and uh, Stitcher and Google Play Music and SoundCloud and all your normal podcasting avenues. And we really appreciate any feedback. Uh, LSPPodcast at gmail.com. You can get us at um and yeah just hit us up let us know if you want us to talk about anything we're happy to do that and any and all feedback is welcomed and
1: encouraged yeah love us hate us we appreciate it guys love hearing from you and uh please feel free to ask us questions email or on twitter uh if we get questions we'll be happy to answer them on the show and uh yeah thanks again for listening guys and we'll catch up with you next week
2: thanks for listening to the long-suffering buds podcast Connect with the Buds on Twitter at, at AdamLSB and at LSBTOM. See you next week.